Hey, hey, friends, welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Friends, no matter what it looks like in this world, in your circumstances, you know, in your family, we can have unshakable hope, and it's in Jesus Christ. I'm excited to welcome my guest, Steve Backlund, today. He's a leader at Bethel Reading Church. He's an encouraging teacher, author. He travels the country to pour into leaders, igniting hope, joy, and healthy leadership wherever he goes. Steve and I met recently at a two-day leadership summit where he poured into our team. He really edified us by bringing the message of joy, hope, and it was so refreshing. So I wanted to have him on to encourage you as well. Hi, Steve. Hi, Leah. What a joy to be with you. (laughs) Long time no see. (laughs) Yes, saw you Tuesday night. That was a good meeting. That was so good, so encouraging, so refreshing. Thank you again for pouring into us. You're welcome. Yeah, you guys are really good soil to sow into. (laughs) We're definitely a different group of people, not your average. You are definitely different. And I mean, the passion, the commitment, the innovative thinking, diligence, the overcoming attitude, resilience, you name it, you got it. Amen. (laughs) Church of Faith. Oh, boy. (laughs) You really are. I'm excited to hear what you have to share with my listeners today. But before we get started, let's get to know you and your ministry, Igniting Hope. Tell us a little more about who you are. I'm on staff at Bethel Church, Redding, California. Wendy and I also have our own ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. We were impacted by a quote by Francis Frangipan in the early 90s, where he said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Mm. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. That area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. And that just really put us on this journey of we'd already surrendered our hearts to the Lord of just learning how to surrender our beliefs. And we got the revelation that every belief or conclusion that we made that didn't have hope attached to it was under the influence of a lie. Amen. Uh, There's other things, obviously, that the Lord has done and shown us, but that was really kind of what put us in our lane, so to speak. And we got so personally transformed by understanding hope. First Corinthians 13 says at the end of the chapter, now these three things remain faith, hope, and love. And we had pursued love. We had pursued faith, but we didn't really understand the place of hope and how important it was. I just had this, I'll have, I hope for, uh, you know, good things in heaven and Hope was more of a wishful thing rather than a real core value and a core part of my life. And and so that's led to changing how I see myself, how I see other people, how I lead. And it's created this ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. And we have written a lot of books and online courses, podcasts like you do a, a lot of things to release hope. So good. And what an important message. One thing that you said at the Leadership Summit that really stood out, it was something I've never heard before. You said, faith without hope is weird. (laughs) Explain what you mean by that. Well, let me uh, start off by giving 
giving you two definitions of hope that I believe will help in this understanding. First of all, hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. I'll say that again. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. The other definition that I really like is that hope is an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. Hope is an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. I love that. So if we try to share the difference between faith and hope, here's how I see it. I I see faith as being very specific as far as what we're believing for, while hope is more general as far as what we're believing for. Faith says, this is going to happen. I'm believing it's going to happen. That's it. Obviously, faith has a big point, but hope says, well, I really don't know what's going to happen, but good things are coming. Amen. Good things are coming. In Psalm 27, the psalmist said, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so this this whole thing about hope is what really keeps us moving forward. It energizes us. But if we're a faith person without hope, we have a very difficult time overcoming disappointment. Because uh, faith people without hope tend to put all their eggs in one basket. This has to happen or I can't really live. Mm. I'm waiting for this to happen to live. I, I, I need this prayer to be answered. I need to move into what I believe is my purpose in life. The prophetic words or whatever over me. Well, uh, I, I need even I need this person to be elected or it's all over. <laughs> yeah. And again, we, we, we believe for things, but we don't have hope. Then we are, I believe, we're deceived into thinking that, OK, again, if that doesn't happen, then I, I can't live. I can't thrive. But hope people hope people have this attitude. They say that while I'm waiting for this to manifest, to happen, I'm going to thrive. Mm. And even if it doesn't happen the way I want it to, I'm going to thrive. And hope is the safety net for when what we believe for in faith does not happen. And we've all had things that we believe for and we need to continue to believe for. But we don't win every battle. You know, we, uh, we're on this journey of growing into and experiencing the promises of God. And, and when we don't win them all, and when we're a hope person, we're, we're, we're much more adaptable. Mm-hmm. I, I use the analogy of a faith person without hope. Uh, their GPS system would say this to them when they made a wrong turn or the road is blocked. The GPS would say, you just blew it. This trip is over. Pull the car over because I can't get you to where you need to be from here. (laughs) But faith people have hope, have this uh, recalculating thing in them that says, well, you know, 
that 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 didn't happen the way I wanted it to. But but the Lord is so good at recalculating us that he will get us to where we need to go. And that's how hope people think. So someone with faith might have specific expectations, but the person that has hope is more flexible. Right, because hope people believe there's many options to how God can get us into where we need to be in our our purpose and influence. Faith people without hope have a limited thing. So good. You also spoke on the importance of living with a culture of gladness. I like to think of just one of our you know, favorite verses in Psalms, Psalm 37, verse 4, where it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The delighter in that verse is delighting with unfulfilled desires. There's things that that person wants to see happen that haven't happened yet. And so... The delighting is a is really it's a, it's what the Bible also calls soul prosperity. We're delighting. We're we're saying thank you, Lord. But I believe the delighter's mantra is this: Woohoo, Lord! I can't wait to see what you're going to do in this situation. I can't wait. Amen. <laughs> Faith people without hope often carry around a spirit of heaviness on mm-hmm. them while they're waiting for what they're believing for happen. Maybe it's a family member that they want to see saved or turned around. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's even in the national news. And, and you know, there's just a heaviness that and I've experienced that heaviness. I've walked in it. And sometimes I, you know, I slip back into it. And it's, oh, I don't like it. And th- that's really a symptom of a lack of hope with our faith. And that's so true. I can relate to all this, actually. (laughs) Even when you said that, I had a few people at church that know my story turn around and look at me and nod their head, you know, (laughs) because I've been waiting um, about 10 years for specific. It takes great faith to believe. Most people would have given up by now, but I know that I know that I know God told me that this is going to happen. There are these amazing promises but in the natural, it looks completely dead and impossible. It's like a Noah story, you know, Abraham having a child at 100. I mean, it's like Bible story-like. And, you know, it's only God's grace that I am able to do this well. But then, you know, the hope in me is the one that still has a ministry and is thriving and is sharing my story, even though, you know, it looks dead and believing in God. And people tell me, how did you do you have the joy that you have? You know, most people would not have the joy you have with all that has been stripped away from you, all that you're waiting on, all that's happened to you and Mm. to still have the joy of the Lord. But I also can relate to you know, moments, thank God, you know, they like you, like you said, short moments though, not seasons, but shorter moments where I feel like, Lord, I need a refreshment of your hope because I start to feel that heaviness and that weariness and the weight. I mean, this hasn't been like, you know, a season, this is 10 years. So there's been times where I have to shake myself up and, you know, really draw into my secret place and get back to the heart of God and his goodness and be reminded of who he is and that he is the God of his word. He's not man that he would change his mind. You know, when he speaks a word, it comes to pass. And I have to believe that it has to be a revelation, not head knowledge, you know? Yeah. And I love that. And it's so powerful to hear that. Yeah. While you're waiting, 
for the manifestation of the promise, you're still moving forward. You're not neutralized by that. And and I've I've got an area or two in my life too that uh, man, I'm believing for. And you know these these unfulfilled promises at times can create a shame on our life, can create mm. a disqualification. You know that that we can battle within our own thinking and. And I, I believe, you know, uh, all of us who, everybody who's listening right now probably has at least one area that's screaming at them, this really is hopeless. Right. <laughs> it's in that, that, wow, okay, yeah, we do what we what we believe the Lord's told us to do about those things, believing and we're stirring it up. But we do need to keep moving forward in our lives. And one of my favorite declarations that I love to make declarations is that my, my forward movement in life causes red seas to part. Amen. And you're moving forward and Exodus 14, 15, you know, God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell my people to move forward. And I'm sure <laughs> Moses thought, Hey, I thought that's called prayer. But that's <laughs> what we're supposed to do. Yeah. It's in the forward movement. That's a key for breakthrough in, in our lives. Right. There's a difference between waiting and waiting well, right? Yes. My favorite hope verse that also really leads into this discussion of gladness, cheerfulness, joy, is Romans 15, 13, where it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that verse basically says, now may the God of hope fill you in believing. And so the increasing increasing hope in our life is the evidence we're renewing our mind with truth instead of lies. Decreasing hope in our lives is the evidence that we're renewing our mind with lies instead of truth. But what's fascinating about that verse, it says, now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And I like to say hope has two buddies who hang out with him. One is all joy. The other is called peace. You're always going to find them together. It's kind of like Jesus said, the truth will make you free. Well, truth first makes us free in our emotions with an increase of hope, all joy, and peace. And it's the joy piece. <laughs> joy is the one that it took me the longest to accept mm. because under a religious mindset, it's impossible to be joyful because if we're joyful, we're not getting it. If we really got it, we'd understand God doesn't even like us. He's about had enough of us. You know, that's, that's how the religious mindset thinks. And but I began to really study uh, the verses in the Bible about joy. And there, there's just so many, many good ones. And one of them that I was talking about the other night with, with you and the rest of the leaders there was uh, Hebrews 1.9, where it says, Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companions. Now, Jesus had an anointing. He had many anointings that were manifested, but one of the uh, anointings that manifested in his life was gladness. 
I, I like to say it this way. Great leaders, great parents, great friends, emerging leaders, they create a culture of gladness around them. They create a culture of gladness in what they're leading and what they're influencing. Because to be glad, we have to let go of a lot of things. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Because we have to let go of perfectionism, control, manipulation, offense, victim mindsets, shame, unworthy, whatever, you name it. There's a lot of things to let go of to be glad. I like to say to laugh, you have to let go of something. And so even in my own home with my wife, we've been married 45 years. Uh, you know, part of me says, well, I don't want to be glad because if I'm glad, she'll think she's okay. And then she'll stop working on the things I think she should work on. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people just are non-glad as a punishment to the people around them. And I'm not saying we never we never have brave communication. We're we're laughing all the time. There's times where yeah, you know, we need to talk about some stuff, or we may need to work some things out. But if it's a if we are if we don't have a culture of gladness, then that's going to work against us. And that's been one of the things um, uh, I, I wrote. A, one of the books I wrote is called "The Culture of Empowerment: How to Champion People." And in that, it really talks a lot about the belief systems that we have about the people we're leading and influencing. And, and, and gladness is a manifestation that we're trusting God. We've overcome a lot of our own issues and self-limiting things in us and that we really love and like the people around us. Yeah, that's good. Gladness to me is more of like a childlikeness, enjoying life mindset and, and behavior. So true. I recently created a post, never lose your childlike wonder. No matter what we go through as adults, God wants us to keep our childlike faith and wonder. I love that. My, my definition of joy is joy is the childlike excitement, wonder, and adventure of working with God instead of working for God. That's so good. We're kind of like the mouse and the elephant going across the bridge. And when they get to the other side of the bridge, the mouse says to the elephant, boy, we sure shook that bridge, didn't we? Right. That's, that's how our, you know, our relationship with the Lord, that's where I want to get to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from him, we can do no good thing. <laughs> no. Steve, thank you so much for coming on today. What an awesome word. What an encouraging message. Such a needed message in our world today. You know, so many people feel hopeless with everything going on. If it's not one thing, it's another. Something happening in our government, pandemic, inflation, indoctrination of our children. The enemy has just been running these streets, as you know. Do you have any closing words for those that may be feeling hopeless today? couple things. One is our hopelessness about the problem is a bigger problem than the problem. That to me is uh, a game changer mm. because it says in, in Romans 12 too, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and so if we're going to see transformation personally and around us in, in what we touch, 
it doesn't come from trying harder and I'm all for diligence. I'm all for wisdom, but it's really going to come from renewing our minds with something higher than what we're feeling and experiencing. And so just knowing, okay, that my lack of hope is an indicator that I'm believing a lie. And it's very difficult to influence that which we do not have hope for. Right. It's very difficult to influence whether it's ourselves. <laughs> I gotta, the most challenging person for me to lead is me. Right. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I know me really well. And there's some things about me I don't like, you know, and I got to lead me. So having You've hope lived for it me, yourself for a long time. <laughs> I have. And, and, and theater, you know, so my lack of hope for me in a particular area is a bigger problem than what's going on in that particular area. Because if I don't, maybe I've got a personal weakness thing or I've got a relational thing with somebody or financial, if I try to change things without changing the beliefs surrounding those areas of my life, I'm probably not going to see long-lasting transformation. Mm. So my lack of hope for that family member is a bigger problem than what that family member is doing. Now, I it doesn't mean I'm not doing other things, you know, maybe setting boundaries and relationships, communication, you know, wisdom. But ultimately, I need to understand that, okay, I got to go to the root of why I don't have hope and say, what is the lie? Whether the lie is, is that, uh, you know, my prayers aren't working. Uh, they're too far gone. I, I've, I've made too many mistakes in this relationship or finances to to be you know pull the lie out because lies sound really real in the darkness of our thinking but they're laughable when you bring them out to the light of language and and the light of language and words and compare them to the word of god so that's one thing i would say even nationally my my, my lack of hope for my nation is a bigger problem than what's going on in my nation mm. now that may that may challenge some people, you know. I mean, it challenges me. That may say, well, I'm not so well. I, I just say pray about that because it, it, it's like the Lord, he he basically told Wendy and I this. I give you permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. Wow, which is nothing. <laughs> and never once have we prayed and said, Lord, are you hopeless about this? I've never once have we heard him say, yes, we are. We're hopeless. We're completely stumped here in heaven <laughs> and there's no solutions. This is too far gone. Right. So that's one thing I, that I'd say is that our hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than a problem. The other thing that I would say is uh, these bones shall live. Amen. These bones shall live. You know, the story in Ezekiel 37, it's a really powerful story. And and it speaks volumes to us today where God showed the prophet Ezekiel a valley of very dry bones. They weren't just dry. They were very dry. And the Lord's not afraid of us seeing how dry things are, you know, whether it's a dry nation, dry morality, uh, dry uh, politics, dry, uh, you know, families, churches, economy. 
whatever. He's not afraid of us seeing how dry things are. Faith is not denial. Faith doesn't just stick its head in the sand and say there are no problems. No, it realizes there are. But what faith does is faith doesn't get its belief out of the dryness. It, we don't we don't deny it's dry, but we don't call it dry. And, and so the Lord showed Ezekiel that valley of dry bones, and he asked him a question. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And that's one of the most penetrating questions that God will ever ask us. He may, you know, especially as we relate that to areas of our own lives, things that we're seeing. You know, Steve, Steve, can that family member live? Can can Steve can this part of your life live? Steve, you know, uh, can your city live? And the answer is, by, by the way, the answer is always yes. Right. But it's interesting, you know, Ezekiel responds, God says, can these bones live? He says, oh, Lord God, you know. And, and basically, Ezekiel had a passive mindset where, you know, it seems like his answer would be, and because he's waiting for the Lord to do something. And then God says, hey, Ezekiel, I you prophesy to the bones. You speak to the bones. You tell them they're going to live. You tell them because God has to partner with somebody who has hope to accomplish his will. Amen. He, he needs somebody who believes things can get better. Basically, the question is, Ezekiel, do you believe these bones have a good future? And he needs to find somebody. And I love this because I believe after love, hope is the most powerful leadership quality there is. Our hope level determines our influence level. And he who is the most hope has the most influence. Wow. So good. So good. And I know you're big on declarations. In fact, you have a clicker where you click a hundred declarations a day. <laughs> there you have it. Click, click, click. This is a great meeting. People are going to get touched because of this podcast. That's right. Lives forever changed. How important is it that we speak declarations over ourselves and our circumstances every day? Well, they're very important because you, you can't think a lie when you speak the truth. Yes. That's one thing. And I remember I was pastoring a small rural church with my wife and children in the, in the 90s in central Nevada, four hours from Las Vegas. And um, in the beginning of the, that time, I was hardly influencing anybody. I, was, uh, I had bad beliefs about me. I had bad beliefs about my geographical location. I had bad beliefs about the people that I was leading. And um, and I remember the Lord, that's when he started going after this hope thing with me. And he said, my lack of hope was a bigger problem than what was going on. And and so I I felt compelled. I, I read you know some verses that it really stood out to me like, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. I saw that. I saw James 3 where it says uh, uh, the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a ship. And I got started getting revelation that what we say is going to direct our lives. I saw Romans 4, 17 where it says God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they they were. And I realized I was always just calling things the way they were. You know, I, I wasn't calling things or naming things with what God was saying. And, and so I felt um, 
impressed in my spirit to start making declarations because also it says Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. And so I wanted to hear things. And I said, well, uh, I can control the level of truth I hear by me saying it. So I don't have to wait for someone else to come up. And like it says, let the weak say I'm strong. It doesn't say let the weak wait for someone else to come up to you and say you're strong. And so I, I felt impressed to say things like, uh, I, I greatly or radically influence nations. Well, when I first thought about that, I thought, well, no, Lord, I, I'm not going to say that because you said thou shalt not lie. <laughs> you, you know, could you please be consistent? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so uh, I said, shouldn't I wait until I'm radically influencing nations before I say I'm radically influencing nations? And he said this, he said, well, Steve, do you wait for an apple tree to have apples on it before you call it an apple tree? Ooh, that's good. And God always gets you with those one-liners, those zingers. I know. I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to help God out, you know, and, and, and he just keeps tweaking my thinking. And I said, well, no, Lord, we don't wait for an apple tree to have apples on it before we call it an apple tree. And then I heard this. Well, Steve, you you don't get your identity out of what you've done. You get your identity out of what you're created to do. Mm, come on, Jesus. Yeah. And so apple trees are created of apples. Even if the apple isn't hanging on it yet, we're not confused about its identity. It's just too young to have it. It's not mature enough to have it. But it's an apple tree. Yeah. God sees our beginning from our end, right? He sees our whole story. We, he sees what we don't know yet. Yeah. We tend to see our self-limiting beliefs based on feelings and past experience are the biggest roadblock, in my opinion, to God's promises manifesting and that fruit, so to speak, hanging on us. So I began to make declarations and I mean, it was really, it was really hard. I mean, it was really, I mean, I'd say, I'd say things like, you know, I greatly influence nations. I'm a great leader. By the way, I wasn't telling other people this. I was telling me, <laughs> this is in my private time. I'm talking to me. I'm saying these out loud. And my strongholds in my mind really fought against it because my strongholds knew that when I started saying these things, that they, they weren't going to last. Because I had believed for so long that there was something uniquely wrong with me. Mm. I am less than other leaders. I don't have the gift of prophecy. I'm not powerful. Uh, I, I'm, I don't do, you know, relationships deeply, uh, whatever. And, but, and right. they were all beliefs based on my feelings and my past, not what he said. And so then I'm starting to say, okay, I'm starting to look in the Bible and, you know, because uh, I mean, it says in Matthew 28, go into all the world. Well, that's, I thought that was for somebody else. You know, <laughs> I said, well, no, that's for everybody. So I started declaring, I'm one who goes around, I go all the world. I, I, right. I impact people for the gospel. And, and I said, I, I, I had to say I write books before I ever wrote books. I'm an author. Yeah, they're right here. Yeah, I, I'm an author. The warfare in my mind. I believe one of the biggest things changes in my life. And I believe for the listeners, declaring God's promise over us. 
and what we believe he's told us and what he's put in our heart. And we start saying them and creating identity statements out of it. And then what it does is that it starts to break off those self-limiting beliefs, those negative strongholds. And we start calling those things that are not. I called those things in my life that weren't manifesting. The leadership, my uh, just even my emotions and, and, and a lot of things. And I, yeah, I'm sold on making declarations. I love it. It's important because the enemy is also doing declarations. You know, he's declaring lies. So we have to captivate our thoughts daily and combat the lies with truth. Yeah. Well, Steve, I know you've written several books, a ton of books, you and your wife, Wendy. How can people connect with Igniting Hope Ministries and tap into your resources? If people want to connect with us, you can find us at ignitinghope.com and ignitinghopeacademy.com, Igniting Hope YouTube, Igniting Hope Facebook, Instagram. I've written books on mindsets. I have a book called Victorious Mindsets. It's a devotional 50 victorious mindsets because the, the renewing of the mind isn't by osmosis or just by reading the Bible or going to church. It's by intentionally saying, I'm not believing this anymore. I'm going to believe this. One of the greatest revelations we'll ever get is that we can choose what to believe. I've written some other devotionals, Igniting Joy, Igniting Hope in 40 Days. This year, Igniting Joy in 40 Days is coming out. I've got Igniting Faith in 40 Days. Uh, Let's Just Laugh at That is a fun book that breaks off lies. It's also a devotional. So if people, those kind of books are so fun just to have laying around the house, open up uh, at any time, any page, you're going to get something. I've wrote a book called You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. (laughs) You hear the opposite. You're crazy if you do talk to yourself. Yeah. The series on words is you're crazy if you don't talk to yourself. A book called Declarations, Unlocking Your Future, which gives 30 biblical reasons why we make declarations. So if people want to know, okay, the biblical basis for that in a greater way. And then just recently released a book called Declare It, which has 96 different life situations or areas, everything from family to ministry to finances to health to future, etc. 15 different declarations for them. And the most recent book I've written is called Fully Convinced. And it's probably the most important book I've written because it really encapsulates a lot of the concepts of beliefs and hope and joy into the book. And because really being fully convinced is a biblical term that It says about Abraham in Romans 4, he became fully convinced in God's promise. In Romans 14, 5, it talks, it says, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And so there's many things, there's obviously, there's black and white things that the scripture, you know, is clear on. But there's many areas where the Lord, we go through a process of developing a good decision-making process and for choices that we make, and then we need to attach faith and be fully convinced in those. Mm. Because it says in Romans 14, 23, whatever is not a faith is sin, and sin is an archery term, which means miss the mark. Mm. So whatever is not a faith, we miss the mark. So if I'm not attaching faith, to who I am, what I'm doing, 
uh, my responsibilities, my commitments, then I'm missing the mark. And so the book really helps break off doubt, double-mindedness, insecurity, inferiority, guilt, uh, those those things, uh, doing things out of duty and obligation, go to the root of what that is. And we have an eight-week course that goes with that book called Fully Convinced. It's the same title. And if somebody really wanted to dive into what I shared about today, and that would be my recommendation is to go to ignitinghopeacademy.com, find the course, fully convinced. You get a PDF version of the book with the course. You can certainly buy a, a hard copy through Amazon or, or wherever. And I say in the, the book, I write on the back cover, kind of like it's a little bit of a bomb I like to throw into people's thinking. A bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. Yeah. And I unpack that. I unpack yeah. that in the book. And I believe that. And, and many Christians, sincere Christians, are the worst decision makers mm. because of a haunting feeling that they're just missing it. I'm not doing right. I'm not doing this enough. I'm not doing that enough. I'm not enough. Uh, or, uh, you know, or yeah. And so just really breaking that thing off and attaching faith to who we are and what we're doing. Amen. Looking at it through the lens of faith. That's right. Yes. Wendy's got the book, Victorious Emotions. So funny. You threw that book to me in the crowd at the conference. I did. I remember that. I'm glad I caught it. It's not just, it's for men, women. It's just for, it's really her journey of overcoming. We all battle emotions. And, you know, they're just, she's got some great insights, great help with that. There's a journal that goes with that that you can go deeper in that people can purchase and so yeah we have a we have a lot of free things on our website declaration lists blogs i do a blog every monday that comes out podcast comes out every week that's connected with the blog and by the way thank you so much for what you do in your podcast blogs and reaching people and your heart to serve people and your heart to bring breakthrough you i can just tell that you're you really are making a difference and you want to be right on the cutting edge of what the Lord's saying and doing. So thank you. God called me to start Lens of Faith Ministries in 2016. And I didn't know if it was going to be significant, but God told me, do it. I'm going to speak through you. You're going to be my mouthpiece and I'm going to use you to display my wonders. And then two years ago, God called me to start writing my book. I did start it, but I have not finished it. But I'm inspired by all the books you've written. Well, the first one is the most challenging. I tell oh, people, okay. I get your first book out, make it short. Because the, the problem is that, that I noticed that I talk to a lot of people is that perfectionism gets on us. You know, we, we start writing and then we get more revelation insights. And then, you know, I got to add. And, and, and yeah. it's, sometimes it's just hard to finish. Yes, a, a, just a completion anointing on you. He's really challenging my faith with what the book is about. He tends to do that. He's, keep coming <laughs> deeper in the river. Come on. Nobody can say it like you and nobody can say it like the people who are listening. We all have a story. Inviting people into our process is what really gives hope to people. So true. 
I bless you and your ministry as well. Thank you again for sharing your heart today. You're welcome. And thank you for inviting me. Would you pray us out? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Just thank you for those that you have drawn to listen to this podcast, to be with us today. And Lord, it's no accident that they're they're with us. And I just right now just release a grace over every person of hope, uh, of, of revelation, uh, uh, of a breaking off of lies and a revelation of the truth to replace those lies in the name of Jesus. I speak breakthrough. I, I speak a uh, the ability to not only love themselves, but to like themselves. And Lord, again, I thank you for those who are hearing this. And I ask you that just even in this moment, that you would just give them a key, a key revelation, uh, a key encounter with you to unlock themselves and others like never before. Bless them in their health, their finances, in their influence, in their families. Thank you, Father, for the very fact that they're with us today. It indicates the type of person that they are. Hungry for growth, hungry for breakthrough, hungry to make an, in, an impact in this world. And I thank you that you're honoring that heart and just blessing them and blessing people through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, and amen. Thank you so much. Great to connect with you. And again, thanks for what you're doing. We're in it together, blogging and podcasting for the kingdom. Make sure to subscribe to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. And be sure to subscribe to the Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon.